Welcome to Monorail Radio Dockside Chat number 17. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And as you can hear, we, off a little different tonight. we are at Raglan Road right now because a lot of people are very excited that pumpkins are out right now. People are in their pumpkin spice mode. They're thinking Halloween at Walt Disney World. I just got back from New York yesterday. My makeup is melting off of my face. I am not ready for pumpkins yet. They're thinking about pumpkins, but I'm thinking of another kind of orange. The traditional Florida orange. Seeing as Flavors of Florida is wrapping up, we wanted to get one more taste because we did have a handful of places that we didn't get a chance to try the last time we came through. And Raglan Road, the Dalky Duo, if you know, you know. So we're going to start our night off with that. But That's going to be the foundation for us tonight. I had to come get the Florida split. It's Florida vodka. It's orange juice. It's mango. It's vanilla ice cream. I am not a big sweets guy, but there was just something about this that looked and sounded so good. So I am going to go ahead and take a sip because you, you with vodka don't get along. We don't, but I might have to try it because it just looks so good. Okay. Here I go. Cheers. Lante. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the incredible. I warned you it was sweet. It's, I don't get, it's so good. You go, have a little sip. Unbelievable. That's going to burn so badly later, but it is amazing. That, I dare say, was worth it. It's rich. It's creamy. I don't think it's quite as sweet as he said. Um, and you get the orange. It's, this, it's so prominent. It's This is this checks all the boxes. It has balance. It's aromatic. It's got a nice smell to it. You could smell it as soon as it sits. The presentation is beautiful. Creamy kind of foam on top with a dried out orange. Flavor is very, very, very pleasant. It almost goes down too easy. This makes me really happy that we came back for last call. We're at Splitsville. I am in for a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not sure how you misinterpreted the classic dessert in a glass. I didn't think they were going to actually make a martini that somehow emulated key lime flavors. A martini is strong and you can just taste the alcohol. This is a play on that. It looks honestly more like a pina colada with some graham cracker crumbs on it. It looks delicious. Well, look, it, I'm excited for this. And I, I appreciate the mousier accoutrements with the limes. Yes. I mean, we make key lime martinis at the restaurant that I work at, but they don't look like this. They look like an actual martini. And based on the picture, there was a graham cracker in it. It was super, super green. And on all of the other... Um, on all of the other... Uh, pages where they've been telling you what's in each offering if it's something that has alcohol in it it would say with absolute vodka with with f1 florida vodka and it didn't say anything about that so i assume that what they just did was took the took a, a key lime pie and almost did it like a mousse because again restaurant i work in we we do a martini dessert that it's in a martini glass, but it's it's a cheesecake mousse. That's what I thought this was going to be. I will give you that. The picture was straight up green. This is not like that dress a couple of years ago where yeah. we were seeing different things. No, it was green. I, I mean, right. I'm excited to try it. I am too. I'm not sure how we're going to do this. I feel like there's no neat way of doing it. 
because there's whipped cream on top too. I mean, it is a beautiful presentation. I'm just going to go for it. Jackie, you're going to go for it. It's got uh, graham cracker crust on the rim. That's delicious. Um, wow. You get every single flavor. Um, and it's, it looks very thick like a pina colada, but it's not at all. All right, Give it a let, go. Let me try this. It's the perfect dessert drink. It's so good. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you have whipped cream on your nose. That's unreal. It is so good. We may have to order a second one of these. <laughs> That's unreal. It's well, yeah, so good. We weren't even sure if this was ours because we ordered one. Sean thinking it's dessert that we're going to split, but... I'm not, I don't want to share this. You have a beer, so if you want to back yourself up with one of these so you can have it yourself, that's fine. This is delicious. Yeah, 10 out of 10. I hope they, I wish they would keep this on the menu. Yeah. This is one of the best after dinner drinks I've ever had. It has the taste of the key lime pie mm-hmm. with, with the whipped cream, with the graham cracker, but you get like that bitter lime because that's what key lime is, yes. right? It's that bitterness. But, you can't really taste the alcohol, which can be problematic. Mm. Um, it's rich, but it's not too thick. Because to your point, when you saw it, you said it looked like a pina colada. But it's very, very easy to sip. I mean, it's so... This is one of the most well-balanced drinks I've ever had. Yeah, it doesn't have that consistency of a pina colada. Especially when they don't blend it enough. And sometimes you get like that, that ice stuck in your straw. This is just so smooth. It, it goes down like a margarita, honestly. Stopping at Everglazed for the Citrus Dream Donut. I have a love-hate relationship with Everglazed. Some of the donuts I absolutely think are dynamite, and some of them, to me, are just donuts with a lot of crap on them. I mean, I have nothing but love for Everglazed all the time. I mean, you're right. Yeah, the donuts, some of them are overhyped, but the coffee is where it's at. I always love their coffee. Well, we got, it, it looks like here, it's it's a glazed donut that has some fresh whipped cream on it and a candied orange, like those jelly, like it's like a jelly orange, like what your grandparents... Like what your grandma used to have. Uh, yep, yep, exactly. Got one of those. Uh, looks like some vanilla icing and orange icing, so this and is basically... And it has, I think this is mint. That's Let me a mint smell leaf. this. It's a mint leaf, which is a very nice touch to make it look like an orange, but I'm not going to eat that on my donut. Well, cheers. Enjoy. See, to me, that's a good donut. It's not overly sweet. You get the true creamsicle taste. It's a nice, light, airy, fluffy donut. This, to me, when you think, when people talk about how good the donuts are at Everglaze, to me, this is the kind of donut you're talking about. Not something that's just got two handfuls of cereal on top. Which donut are you eating? <laughs> we literally split the donut in half. I couldn't have a more different opinion. To me, this is a sugar bomb. I'm getting a little bit of orange, but it's not as um, light as I wanted it to be. Interesting. Like, I wanted the orange flavor stronger and the donut lighter. This definitely tastes like a creamsicle, but, like, when you make it with 
I don't know, Hawaiian punch or something. And a vanilla milkshake. And I'm usually the one. I know, you're the first one to say when a dessert is too sweet. Well, I'm enjoying it, at the very least. I think it's a good donut. I think it was it was worth the $6.25 we paid for it. Oh, I'm eating it. I'm just saying. I could not have done a whole one. No. It is, it is far too sweet for that. Okay, one more stop before we go to our favorite place in the world, Dockside Margaritas, to give you what you've all been waiting for, a proper Dockside chat. We are at Amaret's, a bakery that we don't come to often enough, quite honestly. I mean, everything that we've tried from here, we've enjoyed. Everything. They just, you know what it is? I think they change out their their offerings so often, it's very hard to keep up. Like, already next week, once Flavors of Florida is done, they're going to have Princess Week. And I feel like Amaretz is always leading the charge as far as the desserts go. But that's okay because they always keep things interesting. They do, food-wise. i got to be honest. A lot of the, the drink offerings, they look like they're made with shampoo. And I, I'm, it's nice that it sparkles, but I can't get down with it. I just don't think that that's really what they're in the business of doing. But we have the Orange Cream Puff. Now, when we say cream puff, here's the interesting thing. It's, I mean, it's adorable. It's a very nice presentation. It's not your traditional cream puff. I was expecting, like, a small cream puff, like a cream filled with, like, an orange glaze. This looks more like the dome cakes that we're used to seeing here. This thing is huge. All right, let's dig in. I feel like it's going to gush out. No, it's actually no, very dense. Like oh. Yeah. No, which was not what I was expecting. No, I should have grabbed a knife. All right, I'll hold it. Yeah, you, you almost do need a knife. Definitely not what I was expecting. Okay. Yeah, this is like... It's like a crust. This is more like a cake. I'm wondering if the cream filling is just strictly yep. in the middle. There it is. I got it. Oh, you no, got it. No, it's not. It's, it's on not end. in the middle. <laughs> so, in other words, it's like when you get the jelly donut from Dunkin' that's uh, just off kilter. And I got cake, and you got cream. I did. All right, well, cheers. Let's give it a shot. Let's there see. You go. Mm. I guarantee you my bite was so much better than yours. My get bite, on this I'm side. not even going to lie. My bite kind of stunk. Like, no shade throat in amarets. My bite was no. not impressive. This is more like a, um, with the cream, once you get that all in there... It's almost more like a um, like a rum cake consistency. No, we, we needed a knife for this. Like, this is crazy. We need a knife and a light. It is so dark back here. Okay. I broke off a piece. Okay. All right, my turn. Mmm. It's so good. Yo, that changes the game. Yeah, it's not too sweet. I definitely like this much better than the Everglaze donut. Oh my as god! As far as sweetness goes, no comparison. But once you get the cream in there, it it soaks it up a little bit, and that's where it's getting. That's where I'm feeling like rum cake now. This is so good. My first bite was awful. This second bite, now that I actually have the cream, you know what? Actually, hey, hold on. I just want to taste the cream for a second. That's where you're getting the citrus. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. That's that's out of bounds. Yeah, this is great. That's lights out. So the cake itself is really just kind of like a vanilla cake, right? Not an awful lot to it. But it's it forms but it's, like a really good crust on there. It does. I, oh, I just compromised the whole structure. It, Sorry. It babe. doesn't matter. Sorry about that. We're going medieval at this point. All right, let's have another bite. Hmm. Oh. I think this is my favorite thing I've ever had from Amaretz, which, if you would ask me this two minutes ago, I would have said it was the worst thing I've ever had from here. Wow. Definitely the best thing we've had from Amaretz. Not my favorite, though, out of everything that we've uh, sampled from Flavors of Florida. So maybe we're going to finish this up, we'll head over to Dockside, and then we'll we'll do a ranking of our favorites. I think that's a good idea. I think I said this the last time, welcome home. <laughs> I think you did. Yes. We have pulled up to Dockside Margaritas. Not without a few delays in the process. We went to WAD, World of Disney. We did some Halloween shopping. Did the exact thing we said we weren't going to do, and we did some Halloween shopping. I kind of knew we were going to do that. I mean, we said we were going to go look at the merch. When have we ever just looked? Well, uh, we've been better about it, but let me tell you something. I'm really excited about this merch because this merch so far is so much better than the merch that came out last year. And I did buy some stuff last year that I was very happy with, but the merch that they have so far, and we haven't even gotten to Not So Scary yet, the merch this year is off the charts. I am loving the artwork. These would be, the way that they have the characters and the colors that they're using, they would make such rad tattoos. Um, but yeah, we wanted to go check it out. We did purchase a few things, a couple of uh, pieces of Halloween decor. Um, to be fair... Walty legit needs a new collar because he, he scratched his. his other one and now the thing's like coming apart and we were low on coffee so I had to go to Joffrey's. Like th these were necessary pit stops. We He has had that same Mickey collar for the last... Since 2019. That yeah. was our 2019 vacation when we got that for him. Yeah. So he, four years almost out of it and it just started coming apart so... We don't usually get rid of things that belong to him, but this is going to be one that it's okay if we throw it in the trash because it's so shredded at this point. Says you. Oh, okay. This is true. For those who were wondering, <laughs> and none of you were, um, when we packed up our apartment in New York to move to Florida, I packed deflated Mylar balloons from our engagement party. So it's it shouldn't shock me. <laughs> That I'm keeping a shredded dog collar. With that being said, you oh, look, the volcano's going off. I thought you were going to talk about the draw full of Walt stuff that I have. No. You went for the balloon. No, the volcano's okay. erupting right now. Oh, and so's right. the one at uh, Rainforest Cafe. Let's have, <laughs> let's have a drink. Um, let's. All right. Got the seasonal margarita. So the last time we were here, we did get the drink from Flavors of Florida. It was the orange daiquiri. Technically not a margarita, but... Damn, that was delicious. It was. And they brought back the blood orange margarita, which we did have last year. This is a tried and true favorite. So, so cheers. This is our anymore, seasonal. I'm cheers. not cheersing you after that. All right, whatever. Oh, that's a good margarita, though. It's so good. Yeah, give me till about here, and then I'll chill out. Okay. Um, well, while you're fired up, let's talk about a list. Let's, <laughs> let's rank... Let's do our top three. 
things that we that we liked here from Flavors of Florida. Um, because to go through all of them is going to take too long. No, and you can go back and listen to our last Dockside chat if you want to hear more about what we ate in detail. I am pleased to report my top three. I did not do this on purpose, but it includes one from each category. Okay. Um, hands down, my favorite thing that we ate, and we ate a lot, uh, the risotto yep. from Enzo's Hideaway. With a bullet. Um, phenomenal. It, it was just so good. Even reheated, because we were so full, we had to take some home. Um, it was incredible. It's that was the, my favorite thing. One of the best things I've ever eaten period. It's one of the best things I've ever eaten on property. It's one of the best things I've ever eaten, period. Second for me was a dessert. I love the key lime pop from the ganachery. I have that ranked very high. But I actually have it ranked third. Okay, but you still ranked it, though. What is your What is your second favorite dish? The key lime martini from... Uh, Wow. From okay. Splitsville. Um, I, I, I wanted to have a cocktail in there. Um, and I actually thought the key lime martini was better than the orange daiquiri was here as much as I really enjoyed the orange daiquiri. Um, I mean, I said it just a little while ago. It's one of the most balanced drinks I've ever had. So uh, that, that's my two and three. So I'll, I'll let you go and, and you can tell us your number three. My third, believe it or not, was the drink from Raglan. For the one sip I had of it. Oh, it the was Florida that split. Good. Yeah. I wish I could have drank the whole thing. The Florida split was very good. Um, admittedly, I think by that point I was a little cream sickled out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it was excellent. I would have it again, but I, but I don't even think I put it ahead of the orange daiquiri. It's close. Close for me was the key lime martini, but that that one sip I had just beat out. Like, if I was going to, if I really wanted to hurt myself, I would have just ordered one, but I wasn't going to put myself in that position. The heartburn for you in the vodka is no, just not... No, I, I was like, mm, think about what this is going to be like at 3 o'clock in the morning, because I just, I can't do vodka anymore, but, like, I enjoyed the sip that I had. And anymore. if I'm in pain later, it was well worth you it. You say anymore as if you ever were able to do it. For the 15 years we've been together, you've never been able to drink vodka without getting heartburn. No, I used to drink Stoli all the time. Well, I don't know what the hell happened, but... I, I don't I don't either. I wish I did. Your body changes, like, every seven years, so... So they say. Um... But yeah, I mean the the key lime pop from the ganachery. If I if I really didn't want to put a cocktail on there, I probably would have put it at three. But I did want to get a cocktail on there, and I really loved that martini. But uh, that was it. I mean, flavors of Florida. I I love this festival. I don't want to wish my life away, but I wish it wasn't <laughs> ending right now. I wish that we were not present for the final night of it because it's. It is just so good. Like, I love yeah. the fact that they embrace, you know, local flavors, local source. Um, I love that everybody gets involved in it. And, yes. Um, the one thing that I hope to see a little bit next year is that they diversify it a little bit. Last year was a lot of either orange or strawberry basil. And this year was either orange creamsicle or shrimp. Which, I mean, look, the, these are flavors of Florida, but I would like to see... A little more key lime. Some more key lime, plus your strawberry basil, and your shrimp, and your orange. Like, I do want to see it spread out a little bit more. It kind of seems like there were two things that they stuck to with an occasional key lime here or there. 
Summer is also very popular for blueberries down here. I know that's not what you instantly think of when you think of Florida. You, Of course, you're going to think of the citrus and associate it with that, but they could have gotten a little bit creative. Um, my one regret is that we're not going to make it back in time before the ganache closes to get the key lime pops that I wanted to try freezing. Yeah. But we have to deliver a show to our listeners. That is how much we value you listeners, is that we are passing on our on something that ranked as one of the best things that we've tried from this festival, and we're, we're not going to get one to take home. Yes. That's okay, though. All right. Let's get into it. Speaking of taking things home. Yeah. After we uh, signed off last month, we... Because we didn't gorge ourselves enough. No. Um, we swung through Sprinkles. Now, we've never eaten at Sprinkles before. Um, admittedly... I wasn't sure if Sprinkles was worth the hype or not. I know a lot of people talk about the Cupcake ATM machine, but you're the biggest Bon Jovi fan on the planet, and when they had a Hampton Water Cupcake, we knew that we had to get it in your mouth. So, <laughs> I'm good. Oh, that was low-hanging fruit. I'll, I'll pass on it, though. Um, well, for those that don't know... Um, Hampton Water is actually Bon Jovi's son's uh, rosé company. I mean, Bon Jovi's son, as if Bon Jovi didn't actually like front Put the money the for money this endeavor. Front. Yeah, no, and do all of the advertising on his own social media. Um, but it's great. I mean, you're a sommelier. You can speak to how good this rosé is. It's one of it's my good. favorites. It's good. Um, so when I heard they put it in a cupcake instantly, I was like, okay, we have to try sprinkles. We've never done it on a vacation. We could have a million times over taken it back to the room. We just never really have. And coming from New York, Magnolia was always our thing when we were in the city. And mind you, we always stayed at Pop Century where they had those insane yeah. cupcakes. So if we were going to take something back to the room, we were going to grab it from the food court getting off a bus. But we were not skipping this one. Um, it was one of the best cupcakes I've ever had, bias aside. Um, I compared it to Magnolia. I said it's just as good, if not better. It was a vanilla cake stuffed with... Um, strawberry. With strawberry, like a jam. Uh, and then the rosé was incorporated into the frosting, which was nice and light. And it was awesome. It had a chocolate medallion on top. Um, so it was just a really nice presentation. Uh, but a very good cupcake. So balanced. Yes. Not too sweet. Yes. The cake itself was a great consistency, and so was the frosting. I, I loved it. And for what we paid, I mean, I don't think we paid all that much for the two cupcakes. I was very impressed with it. Um, frankly, if, if we weren't eating so much dessert tonight, because that's really what we left on the table with Flavors of Florida. It was mostly desserts. Um, if we weren't doing that, I probably would have just swung through the cupcake ATM. I really enjoyed it. Um, well, we had them for breakfast last time. I'm not opposed to... And these are the ones for puppies, too. We did say we're going to have to get Walty one. And they didn't have dog treats at the puppy store at the marketplace. Well... We may have to go to the ATM if they're still serving. I don't know if the ATM... That's a good question. If does they have the, the pup ones? Does the, well, no, I know they have the pup ones, but does the ATM serve after they've closed? I think that's why they have the ATM. Well, we're going to find out shortly. Um, but, yeah... Hampton Water Cupcakes, really good. Sprinkles, awesome. We may be going there tonight. All right. Yeah, and Hampton Water Cupcake was not a Flavors of Florida offering. That was just like a limited time offering. So if they still have that, I'm going for it again. So then um, 
couple of, well, about a week later, we had a wonderful evening with very, very, the food was good and the company was better over at the Polynesian. Yes. Um, our friend Hannah Little was in town. You know her on Instagram as Little Bit of Disney. Uh, and she was here to celebrate her 30th birthday, and I was so flattered that we kicked off vacation. Uh, I did not realize when we booked the reservation that it was her first night of vacation, but when her and her husband Clayton came to town, uh, this was the first night, so we had dinner with them, and you know them well. We've mentioned them before. Our dear friends Brendan and Catherine, uh, the six of us got dinner at Kona Cafe. Um, Kona Cafe is always awesome. This was the one time we've had a slight hiccup with them, though. The food was excellent. Yes. But we did make a reservation to go to Trader Sam's because we wanted to get Hannah a birthday drink after. Um, so we had, like, a good hour and a half before two, we needed to... It was a two-hour window, was it? actually. Yeah. We had the full two hours. Okay. So with a two-hour wait to eat dinner, plenty of time to eat with appetizers and entrees. Um, but then... Full disclosure, our server disappeared for about 20 minutes, and we knew it was time to start heading downstairs to go to Trader Sam's. So, in fact, you... I think Brendan got the text. Yes. Um, and we knew we had the 15-minute window, so we waited 10 of those minutes, and when our server had yet to return, that's when I said, I'll run. Yes. So you went downstairs... And then not but two minutes later, you texted and said that they are not going to seat us unless the entire party is here. Knowing that we were upstairs, I can understand this policy if you think people are on their way, quote unquote, via the monorail. Right. You know, I can understand where this place is always busy. They're trying to turn over tables. They're trying to get as many people in as possible so that people can enjoy the experience. I, I fully understand that. If you have people that are, you know, not being truthful about where the rest of their party is. Of which there are many, but I'm sure. But we were upstairs. To prove it, Hannah and Catherine ran down to meet you so that you could say, okay, we've got half of us here. And the three of us that were paying stayed behind to pay the credit card bill. We were even at one point talking about one person just put it all on the card and then work it out with Venmo later on. But then by that point, the server did come back. Um, we paid everything as quickly as possible. We And he was a little sassy with you, as my understanding was. Well, we said we're not trying to rush you, but we do have the Trader Sam's reservation. You know, we went downstairs. Can you just ring this up really... Because that was it. He came over with the checks. We all had the credit card ready, and we were like, can you just run these, please, so that we can get back downstairs. So we pay out, sprint downstairs. I will never forget, because when we finally got to you guys, I was I was in flip-flops, and I was thinking of kicking them off just so that I could be moving faster down those stairs. <laughs> Brendan said after the fact, all I was listening for was the clap of her flip-flops on the stairs to make sure that she wasn't falling because he thought I was going down. And if I did, I would have taken out Clayton. So I was very careful. Poor Clayton. Um, <laughs> but we made it by the skin of our teeth, and we enjoyed the drinks, and it was yeah, a lot of fun. It's always gonna, great. But... They weren't going to seat us. I mean, they told us, like, if your entire party's not here in five minutes, you're going to have to rejoin the list. Hannah and Catherine ran downstairs. I think because Hannah had her birthday button on, I think that's the only reason why they sat us. 
I think so, yeah. But it ended up working out, and we had a great night. Trader Sam's is just always one of the best places you can get. Um, drinks are good. The, the entertainment... The entertainment's even better. I mean, that's, that's why you go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of entertainment... Um, we, we saw a handful of films on a particular week, one of which was headlined by a very large opening for Walt Disney Studios. Okay, see, you just, you just ruined the whole thing right there by mentioning the name of the studio. Well, they're listening um, to Monoreal Radio. Do they think we're talking about Paramount? Well, no. <laughs> Stop saying the names! The, that was exactly the point that I was going to make, is this is very, very difficult for me because I am so, so torn um, because I'm very, very happy that this summer saved the box office. Um, there were some huge releases. People turned out in droves. And I fully want to support the fact that people were excited to go see movies in theaters, and I think that's wonderful. However, I have seen way too many people I love hurt by this strike, and I'm not going to do anything that supports these studios. So, I also don't want to let our listeners down. Um, All we will say is that we've seen it, and it didn't do it for us, and that's the most that we're going to mention. We saw... Four films that week. It was the one I was the most excited for, and it was the one that let me down the most. Um, there were a handful of things that particular week that let me down. Um, I do want to talk about another film um, that we did see that week. That's, and this is an independent one, so we are we are free to talk about it. Um, I, I'm going to preface it with, this is a hot button topic for all of the wrong reasons. Because to me, speaking on behalf of only Sean, I don't think protecting children is a partisan issue. We did see Sound of Freedom. Because I thought that it was a very important film to see, and I was pleasantly surprised when out of nowhere you had said to me, are you interested in seeing this because I'm interested? And I think that because of the story behind it, because it is an indie studio, because it was an indie film, wasn't supposed to be, of course, um, and, and the, uh, the desire to support... Oh, this band has been incredible. Let's finish this thought, though. Um, I'm going to be so distracted the rest of the night. The desire to... This band, by the way, has been doing all boy band covers. They did Four Town. They've done NSYNC. They're doing NSYNC now. Or no. No, no, Who is this? No, okay. They didn't do Four Town before? (laughs) They did Four Town. The first song that caught my attention was the New Kids on the Block. They did Step by Step. Then as I was walking back over to meet back up with you here, uh, they did 98 Degrees, the song from Mulan. The irony is that I have seen 98 Degrees perform both of those songs at SeaWorld instead of like most of their own material. Um, but they did do Four Town, and this is the Backstreet Boys now. Trust me, when NSYNC comes on, you're going to know about it. And get hyped, and start learning, because next week we have Joey Fatone. All right, 
but let's finish no, talking about important. Sound of Freedom. It is very important. Um, it was the desire to support an indie studio in, in the face of this uh, strike. But there was a part of me that had a peaked interest when I heard that Disney shelved this film. Because the film was shot five years ago. Before Disney bought Fox, Fox had the rights to this film. And Disney shelved it. Now, without getting into too much, it is loosely based on a true story. Um, and it, it, it is very sensitive subject matter. It's a, it's, a, it's a very big problem that this world faces um, when it comes to child trafficking. And the tagline of the film, I'm not saying this to polarize anybody, but the tagline of the film is God's children are not for sale. Regardless of whether you choose to or not follow a religion, regardless of what political party you follow, I don't think that that's an inaccurate statement. I don't think any people are for sale, but I do not think an innocent child is for sale. Regardless of your religion, you should be standing behind that statement. And let me ask you this, because the question that we asked ourselves before we saw the movie was, would we be disappointed that Disney... And I'm not saying Disney in Tinkerbell Flies Over the Castle when you wish upon a star music playing. I'm talking about Disney and any of its subsidiaries. Are we disappointed that Disney didn't release the film? Was the question we asked ourselves before we saw the movie. Right, because I knew going into it what it was going to be about. I knew it was going to be a com an uncomfortable watch, as it should be. It is extremely uncomfortable subject matter, but this is to me one of the reasons that I fell in love with film in the first place, is that when done right, it can deliver a very important message and it should make you feel things and that's what this movie did. I walked out of that theater and my words to Sean were, I've never been more disappointed in Disney. You all know how much I love Ghostbusters, how much I love Batman. I love those because those movies changed me in that they became two of my favorite films, some of my favorite characters as a child. And I will carry them for the rest of my life. Sure, everybody has those very formative movies. For you, from it's their The Wizard of Oz. Of it's, it's The Little Mermaid. But this I've, makes you feel something different. I have never, I have never had a film that has made me feel the way that I felt. Sickened, sickened, sad, and and but but at the same time, happy. And hopeful. There's that, that, a very there, hopeful message. There's a very hopeful message in that there are people... That, I mean, this man saved 124 children. And yes, it's very, very, very difficult to watch. But for a company like Disney that cares about children, I don't think it's a good look that under one of their subsidiaries they didn't release this film. This film will change your life. This film is incredibly powerful. And if you sit there and say, oh, well, you're just a part of so-and-so, you're the problem. Because there's taking care and protecting children should be everybody's priority. That's exactly And why that's the purpose was, of the film. Yeah, that's why I was so disappointed. I understand 
where Disney doesn't want to partake in the controversy, put a film out like this that's going to make people uncomfortable. And quite frankly, going back to what we've been saying a lot lately is that, remember, they're a business. I think that the biggest thing for them, controversy aside, was that they don't want to put a light on children being in danger and make parents afraid to bring their children anywhere, i.e., what happens if, if parents are too scared to bring their children to the parks and they're not spending money in the parks? I think that's why they did it. I can't say for certain, but I think that's why they shied away from it. And to me, that's where I went, shame on you. Because how can you preach about safety and, and have your cast members check that these children and, and families are buckled into their safety belts and nothing's going to happen on the rides? You need to stand behind that in your movies as well. And that's where there's a disconnect. They should have released it, and they should have done it properly. What I was most impressed with was that after the film played yes. and the credits rolled, Jim Caviezel gets on, and this is what Sean and I have talked about, about how important it is, instead of just throwing up a blanket statement before the film starts, having a conversation about it after the fact. And that's exactly what happened. Jim Caviezel not only talked about what the issues are in the United States and what our country is facing as far as involvement in child trafficking, but the controversy around why this movie was silenced. And what blew me away more than anything was that they gave you a QR code at the end of this film to scan if you wanted to pay a ticket forward just because they believe in their film so much and because the message is so important, they wanted to be able to share it. And you could buy a ticket for someone else who may not be able to afford to go to the movie so that they could see it and and get a get an understanding of what's happening. It was not only an important moment for those filmmakers, it's an important moment for cinema that you would have a film that would catch fire like this. It's this movie's made more money than Haunted Mansion. This movie's made more money than Mission Impossible. It's incredible how what, what the response to this film has been. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pound the table for any one person or another. But folks, if Robert Downey Jr. can be redeemed in the court of public opinion, anybody deserves a second chance. And that's the most that I will say. But it was the most powerful film I've ever seen. It was the most powerful film we saw that week. And when I see a film like that versus a film like uh, the one that's based on the very popular attraction, um, I was very let down in more ways than one. But let's move on. Well, I was going to say, before we do move on, though, I mean, yeah, we could sit here and talk about this all night. I won't. And I, I don't want to get overly political with it but if anyone is interested in discussing this further we're more than happy you know you have the email you have our social media and if, if you'd like to chat about it if you've seen it if you want to voice your opinion um, we're more than happy to do that um, let's let's move on to some more jollies before we need to finish these margaritas because oh boy do we ever need to finish these margaritas um, we partook in the monorail bar crawl, which is not uncommon for us. We've but, done our own. But we did one 
a couple of weeks ago for an outstanding cause with an outstanding tight-knit group of our personal friends and we cast the net wide and made a lot of new friends. Yes, we went on the Disney Day Drinker Club's monorail bar crawl and the charity that it was The Superior D3, by the way. (laughs) The Superior D3. Um, No, they're a wonderful group of people and they were um, collecting donations. Uh, It it was a back-to-school bar crawl. That's why they had this occasion. It was awesome. People came out in droves and they took a collection of uh, school supplies we filled, so they had us, it was actually very, very smart, very, one of the most well-organized events I've ever seen. Um, they had us meet at the Wilderness Lodge, that way people could ferry over to the monorail bar the monorail bar to the monorail loop. Yes. That way not everybody had to park at the TTC. So they took the collection at the Wilderness Lodge at Geyser Point, and they filled two, um... Uh, luggage carts. Luggage carts, thank you. I was looking, I was going to say bell cart, but that was not the word. Uh, bell services uh, gave them the luggage carts, and they filled two of them. I mean, stuff was falling off by the time we got there trying to put our donations on, uh, and it was hanging from the top, and it was wonderful. They got a lot of supplies. Um, so that was really nice to see. And we had a great time on the crawl. Uh, we started at the... And, and let me just say, I want to throw this out there before we get too far ahead. We also were informed of this event by a good friend of the show, yes. Lynn Palmer. Uh, Linny, I hope you're listening. Um, we we actually met Linny here at Disney Springs uh, the day before the shutdown during the pandemic. And we got to know her and we exchanged information and kept in touch. And, and Linny was the one that told us that this was happening and she was coming in from out of town for it. And we had a really wonderful time and it was a nice time. We had a great time hanging out with her. But uh, I, I did want to put that out there. I, I didn't want to forget the, the person that yes. informed us that this was happening. And it means something to her because she is a school teacher. So to be a part of such a great fundraiser, to be able to uh, provide multiple classrooms with everything that they need for the school year, it was it was really something to be a part of. I was very, very happy that we were invited and included in that invitation. No, and it was a very full circle moment for us because we met her at Raglan Road. At the darkest of times. The day that the college kids were dismissed. People were crying in the middle of Disney Springs. And, um, you know, there was just so much what if. We There, there was so much unknown. Um, so it was really full circle to reconnect with her and see her and be able to spend time with her uh, in much happier times. And, you know, it's just one of the reasons that it's really cool that we're down here now. And that yeah. we do get to have experiences like that. Um, but, yes. She joined us. Um, we started the contemporary. Uh, we met up with our friends Kelly and Pat and Joe and Tyler, um, who decided to brave the elements in the crowds to come out with us that day. Um, so we met them. They had had after we dropped off the school supplies. They were eating dinner at Steakhouse Seventy One. We wrangled them up and we went upstairs to the outer rim, and. God bless the cast members, because I can only imagine what it must have looked like when everybody started stepping off the monorail. We came up from downstairs because we parked, but can you imagine being behind that bar and seeing this just herd of people? Because we're all, they're all dressed up. Everybody's got a t-shirt on, and that was part of the yes. thing, too. You had to dress up like you did in school. There were cheerleaders. There were... Um, 
you know, like people were doing like a stereotypical nerd costume with a pocket protector and the, the horn room glasses. I wore an old concert shirt. Yeah. Back in the day, Google Doll shirt. I wore a Tinkerbell shirt because that was my jam in high school. Um, I can only imagine what what it must have looked like coming off of that monorail, but uh, they handled it unbelievably well. Um, one of the bartenders there, we have to tell the story, or not the bartender, she's a server. She's lovely. Um, we really have to learn her name because we just call her Mary because she reminds us so much of my grandmother. Um, we had her, the last time we did a monorail bar crawl on vacation and Joe was there and Joe's spent, he got to spend a lot of time with my grandmother and we all just agreed, like, reminds us of Grandma Mary, but I mean, unbelievable, um, that at her age she's able to just stay on top of everything and deal with the crowds like this. She's lovely. She's um, wonderful. A, a big thumbs up to uh, the cast members and a big thumbs up to the D3 crew because it was a well-oiled machine from top to bottom. The participants, everybody that went, we knew we were going to be waiting on lines. We knew we were going to be waiting for drinks. Everybody was patient. Everybody was organized. Nobody everybody, was sloppy. Nobody was sloppy. And I think that that's a very important thing. Um, to point out um, and, and the cast members were just incredible like soup to nuts this was one of for something that was sort of an unorganized event in terms of actually arriving on site and it was very much self-governed this is one of the best events I've ever been invited to period end of story not just at Disney I'm talking about in general oh, yeah. no and for what it is I thought it was going to be organized chaos it was just organized period it was an absolute yeah. wonderful night. It was a great day. We went from so we went from Contempo over to uh, Trader Sam's. We did the tiki bar we outside. Did the outside bar, but it, that did get crowded. So some of like half of the bar crawl went upstairs to Tambu Lounge. Well, the weather also broke some people up. Thankfully, we had a table with a big enough umbrella that we didn't need to run upstairs. And then from there, we went to Enchanted Rose. Uh, which, by the way, good tip. Um, if you don't want to order from Enchanted Rose, you can order at Gasparilla and bring it up, which is what we did. Yes. Because at this point, we had to eat something. We had to eat something. Um, Cuban sandwich from Gasparilla was incredible. And I think I did chicken tenders and fries, and then I ordered a flatbread. You got a flatbread, so everybody... Flatbread for the table, yeah. which, by the way, was unbelievable. It was as good a slice of pizza as I've had. And the chips that came with my sandwich. Oh you my god, those. the house-made chips that came with your sandwich. Best chips I've ever had. They were incredible. Ah, now I want one. I mean, they are open late, but we have a dog we need to get home to, so we 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 can't. Ah. Uh, we can, but we shouldn't. Damn it. We're not gonna go. Okay, we're not gonna go. We're not gonna go. No, we gotta get him his his collar. Alright. Let's move into some talk topics because oof, there are a lot. Uh are we yeah. oh we missed last call. We were last call, huh? We were last call. Oh well. Not the first time we've missed last call at Rag at uh, Dockside. I'm sorry. Sorry. For you. Sorry. Alright. Um well either cannonball this or that, or, or, or you milk it because we got some things to talk about starting with a movie that um, I don't here's the thing like based on our stance when it comes to backing the creatives and, and the people that are involved in this strike there's a part of us that struggled with do we even talk about this but it's become such a newsworthy 
um, fuzzy thing that um, it doesn't matter whether we talk about it or not. It's going to get talked about. So I, I think that we do owe it to, to, to some of those people to discuss. Well, here's the thing. We're not promoting it. <laughs> There's not a lot of positive things to say, quite frankly. I've never seen a more negative response to an upcoming Disney film. But here's the other thing. We have no trailers yet. We have... We are not at the promo stage yet. So I think Snow White is fair game to talk about. And what I want to start with, because I feel like this needs to be said. And this this has nothing to do with one particular studio. It has to do with, with all of them. There is no such thing... As leaked pictures from set. So I would love everybody to put that out of their mind right now. There are production assistants whose specific job it is to do something called lockdown. Meaning, you make sure that nobody is within walking distance of your set. You're not coming up to where they're filming. You can't see anything that is going on. You lock the set down and you make sure that there is nobody with a phone anywhere that is going to leak said footage. So when you see... Quote-unquote leak. Yes. I mean, the wicked stuff, that, that I'll say, that's getting leaked because people are filming from across the water and they're picking up audio. And there's there's really no possible way to station somebody out there that's going to block them out. I But this is why it's so important. I feel like I've already seen the wicked movie. And in that case... And they're, they're still filming, by the way, because they are... It, it's completely different because they're filming overseas. So their guidelines are different. And that's yeah. why they were able to finish. Um, the leaked footage I have seen changed my stance on that movie because I really didn't love... I'm sorry, the Backstreet Boys are so distracting right now. Um, I really didn't love uh, Ariana Grande as a casting choice. Um... I really didn't love the fact that they were breaking it into two movies, and I was like, maybe I sit this one out, because my fear is that this is how you remake The Wizard of Oz. If you know the story of Wicked, and if you've seen the play, if they end movie one where act one ends, and you do movie two as act two, I was afraid that this was the slippery slope to them doing a remake, but anyway, that's besides the point. The leaked footage actually changed my stance, and... The audio that I've heard is so impressive. I do actually want to go see it. But as it applies to Snow White, Disney wanted us to see this. Yes. Disney wants us talking about it. Because yes. there is no way that anybody with a phone went in, the middle in and of a got field. in an aerial shot in the middle of the field. Exactly. You can't send a drone in. Like, there, there was no way. Disney wanted us to see this. It was not leaked. And... You know, people always make the argument of there's no such thing as bad press. There yes, is. there is. There is now. When, Nowadays, there is absolutely a such thing when, as bad press. When Rachel Zegler has taken it upon herself, and I give her some credit. Uh, no. Well, she gets none from well, me. Just, Go ahead. Well, calm down. Let me finish my statement. I'm cannonballing. She's taking leadership in that she's playing the title character and she's putting it on her shoulders to defend the film. I will give her credit for that. That is the only thing I will give her credit for because I disagree with every bloody thing that she says past that. See, and that's where I won't give her credit because she's putting it on her shoulders. You are the title character. It is a team of people. 
and she is not being mindful of the team of people that she is speaking That's for. That's true. So. I'll give um, you that. I'll agree with that. You know, obviously, they don't even have a trailer out yet. So they're not doing press per se, but she happened to be at an event with Gal Gadot. Um, it was D23 I think it was a D23 event. Yeah, when they made the announcement. And I'm sure everyone has seen at this point, whether it's on TikTok, Instagram, or whatever, the clip of Rachel Ziegler saying that this is not the 1937 Snow White. She's, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, she's empowered. She doesn't need a prince. She's not going to fall in love with a prince. She's uh, pursuing leadership so she can be the leader she knows she can be. I mean, look, we are all for a strong, empowered female. And I think that Disney has done a wonderful job of that over the past, uh, you know, over the past decade with things like Frozen, things like as much as we don't love her, Moana, uh, things like Raya, which is an underrated film. And if you haven't seen it yet, go do it. Oh, and look, I just promoted it. Ah. Anyway, um, I, I think that they have done a really good job of empowering young women and learning to write stronger female characters. So I'm not taking any of that away from them, but I feel like what has happened recently, instead of giving us the stories that we love and the empowered female characters that we fell in love with in the 90s, like Jasmine, we have said that Disney is apologizing for everything. Yes. And it seems like, as of late, especially now with some of these interviews that Rachel Ziegler is doing, that there is more of an agenda than anything else. Oh, yeah. And I'm all for this idea of, you know, a princess doesn't need a prince to make her strong. That's fine. That's what the 90s were about. But now we're starting to come full circle almost because there's this idea now of women doing too much and I think what's happened and what's different in the 90s is that women were really gaining ground in the workforce and that they were starting to hold more powerful roles what's shifted is that really it goes back to the economy Women can no longer necessarily be stay-at-home mothers. Everyone has to have a career now. And that has put an unbelievable amount of stress on women to have to do it all. And where I applaud things like the Barbie movie because that just got to the core of it and it did it so concisely, um, that's where Snow White is already going to be behind the eight ball is following up the Barbie movie. But when you have your lead actress saying things like, this isn't 1937, yes, we know, that's why you're doing a live-action remake. There's a way to put a positive spin on that without trashing everything that the 1937 film accomplished and trashing Disney's very important history in the process. And that's where I have the biggest problem, is that she's coming off as so ungrateful for the position that she's in right now. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is one of the most significant films in history. And she craps on it. But the Those funny dwarves thing, are pillars on the, on the building. 
In now, California. Yes. So, I I look at it as you don't understand the history. Yes. You don't understand the significance. And I, I, I'm just, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful. You want to tell a female empowerment story, so be it. Give us a new story. Give us a new character. You did it with Elsa. You did it with Moana. You did it with Raya. You know, you did it with Jasmine 30 years ago. And that's where to me, I mean, you did it with Megara. Because remember, Megara saves Hercules. Yes. A lot of people forget about that. She says as much. And uh, nobody threw themselves a parade when they made those movies. Right. So now, Rachel Ziegler, you, you take this stance on one of the most important films of all time, but you, didn't, you never said that about West Side Story. Right? You never said it about the love story in West Side Story where he dies for Maria. So yeah, never, and you see, got you never, your Spielberg check, see, and then you you're never, very happy see, about you that. You didn't have a problem with that. Wow. So you didn't have a problem with that. But you got a problem with this? No, now I got a problem with you. That's a great point. And um, what I don't like is now you're using this strike to continue to make it about yourself. Uh, Rachel Ziegler has done an incredible job of making everything about Rachel Ziegler. Yeah. She goes up... Uh, any, of the, any of the celebrities that you love... A-listers that are going to the picket lines and are putting themselves on social media. I'll give Rachel Ziegler this much. She's either she's either incredibly honest or a horrible actress. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> because either everybody else is pulling us the biggest BS artist of all time where they talk about all the little people that aren't making $40 million per film. Or... She's just bluntly honest. When she sits there and says, I have to wear a gown for 17 hours a day. It's not about you. It's yes. not about you. In short... It's, it's about the people that are not going to make in their lifetime what you're going to make on the Snow White film. Which, by the way, I don't even think this film's getting made. If I'm going to be honest, I'm going to put this out here right now. Yeah. I don't think this film's going to get made. I think the film's going to get canceled. I think that the blowback is going to be too much for Disney to handle. And I think they're going to blame, much like they, they loved blaming COVID for everything that Disney canceled. They're going to blame the writer strike and COVID and the Galactic Star Cruiser because we're going to talk about all that in a few minutes. They're going to blame all that. I don't think this movie's ever going to see the light of day. If I'm being um, honest with you, I'm cutting right to the chase. I don't think this movie's ever going to see... This is the Nicolas Cage. This is Superman Lives. We're <laughs> never going to see this movie. Um, I I would agree with that. And this is what goes back to what I was saying before with there's no such thing as bad press. There are... There's just too many strikes against it at this point. Um, as far as what you're saying about the writer's strike, yes, most of the A-list talent... To put it in film terms, the above-the-line talent and above-the-line... That also includes directors as well. They're using their platforms to support the below-the-line talent. That's the right thing to do. So you have the people that have the following supporting the people that are behind the scenes. And it's it's been a wonderful thing to see them come together. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I feel like there's just too much working against it at this point. And the more that, I, I mean, nobody can do any promotion for the film right now. So what you have is past interviews. And she 
Rachel Ziegler continues to shoot herself in the foot with those interviews. So, but she doubles down, and when she's she's speaking on the picket line, and she's doubling down. Yes, and that's where I'm like, where is Disney's PR stepping in, being like, look, you shouldn't be talking about this anyway because there's a strike on, but you just keep digging this hole deeper and deeper, and I feel like there's just too much already against it at this point where it's just going to tank at the box office, which sort of leads us into our next topic, which is movie critics versus influencers. I mean, I love that there are platforms where people are talking about movies, but I think what's happening now is that there are far too many people who are judging things without having seen the film judging trailers way too harshly without the context of seeing the full film and that goes back to what I was talking about before. These photos that are quote unquote leaking from sets um, that's what people are judging. That's what Disney wanted when they released this photo. They wanted the reaction. So to judge an entire film based on one frame of it, you're completely missing the point and that's the problem with people jumping on their platform and speaking to one thing versus critically thinking about a piece of art that's being put out there. And there's a lot of discussion now about are movie critics obsolete because these influencers are just coming on and they have so much power by saying yay or nay about something that they've not even fully seen yet and fully digested but just because they have millions of people following them those millions of people are going to listen and potentially not go see something in a theater instead of going and forming their own opinion which is entirely the point here's my thing I I, you and I cannot be bought we don't consider ourselves to be traditional film critics I hate the term influencer and if, if the day came where you told me I was an influencer, I would just stop doing this because I don't... I, I, this is for Tom. I, I see this. Sorry. A lot of people are very happy right now. Um, I, I, I kind of want to be like... My whole thing with this was always make it approachable. You know, I look at it like the working man's film show. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just going to... For me... I just want to talk about it in a way that's approachable and in a way that I don't ever feel like I'm talking down to people. So, I don't want to be considered one or the other. I just, I love radio. This is what I was ready to dedicate my life to. So, this to me is talk radio, right? So, that's how I look at this. And I think that these films are important. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um... But I, I would never be bought. The problem is, there are too many that are very easily bought. And I understand. Listen, we have jobs. This is never going to pay our bills. And we know that. And we're not trying to make this up. That's the difference. We don't want this to pay our bills. We are doing this for free. This costs us, and I'm not trying to put us on a pedestal. Don't take it as such. It costs us money to do this for our listeners but I don't ever hold it against anybody, nor do I care, because I love that we do this so much that this is a creative outlet for us. If we were in this to make money off of it, we would have stopped after year one. 
like most do. And we're coming up on our five-year anniversary. Yeah, we just celebrated it, right? So, like, we're not here to be famous. We're here to just speak our truth. So, I... Do I think film critics... Do I think film critics are obsolete? I think some of them are on a high horse. I, I think that there are film critics that hate things because they think they're supposed to. Film critics, some of them at the end of the day, are no better than the influencers. Quite frankly, this is just my opinion. Yeah, they just know how to write better. A lot of them were influencers before it was a sexy term. Yeah. Okay? So, uh, humble yourselves a little bit. And I don't care what you say about me. They could turn around and say whatever they want to me. I don't give a crap. I'm moving on with my life, you know? Like, I, I just feel like... They, I think that there are those that are honest, that love the craft, that understand it, that understand the history of it. And I think there are those that are there for clickbait. To me, that's an influencer. So, Like, if your bread and butter is Parks content and you get invited to a premiere and you're just like, yay, it was great, I'm so happy to be here. That's I'm, not... I mean, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You are just putting the film in front of your following. I mean, that's like, what you're paid to do. You're not saying it's good or bad, but that's where this line gets very blurred is if people start saying something is bad and they haven't fully seen it. If, if Disney invited us to a premiere, I would go. But if the movie stinks on toast, I'm going to tell you it stinks on toast. I'm not going to tell you it's great because Disney invited us. Right. And I think that there's a tug of war there. Um, I think that the problem is in, in social media nowadays, anybody can be a podcaster, anybody can be on TikTok, everything's got a microphone, everything's got a camera, and everybody wants to get rich quick. Everybody wants to be an influencer because God forbid you go get a job or learn a craft or, you know, a skill. Um, I think the, the, the problem in general is that there's an oversaturation of people that want to belong in this clique that we have no interest in being in. But there are a lot more people that want to be a part of it than don't. And I, I see, especially now in the strike, you're starting to see where people are starting to butt heads. Um, in regards to the Snow White thing... You know, you sit there and say that people are judging it on one still, and they're, you know, go see it, don't go see it. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm leaning towards not seeing it. And, and, and that's mostly because Rachel Ziegler just can't keep her foot out of her mouth, not unlike our current CEO, which was supposed to be our savior, by the way. Um, but my thing is that there are a lot of little people in Hollywood that believe that they are not getting work because progressiveness has gone 360. It, it's not a 180. They've gone so extreme that they're not that it, it, it's completely gone back to where we were before. Hugh Grant is playing an Oompa Loompa. A little person didn't get that job. And Tim Burton's they did. But Peter Dinklage had something to say about Snow White. And because he's the most accomplished, he speaks for all of them. That's, to me, a, that's an unfortunate scenario. 
And you're starting to see a lot of people in that community that don't get work. It's great. Listen, and I love Peter Dinklage. I think that he's an incredible talent. And did he take a lot of bit roles that were probably offensive in his eyes? They were. I think he swallowed his pride a lot to take those roles. Were they wrong? Were the depictions not right? I I think in in instances, they, they were. But he was able to build a career off of that which now there are people that are not getting that same opportunity and and you have people in that community that are now coming forward and saying this is wrong we don't get the opportunity that he got these should be our these should be our parts we don't find this offensive and I'm sorry Disney did not write did not write Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs folks yeah it's adapted it's adapted they didn't write it what Disney And that's what people like to forget. Disney didn't write this, they adapted it. What Disney should have done was really leaned into this. And instead of Snow White just being with the seven dwarfs as we know them, it should have been a whole community. That way yes. they could have cast more people and your focus is on the main seven as we know them. But you could have done an entire land in the woods and it also would have bolstered the story a little bit more because how did she find them how you know she just stumbled across this cottage it would have you know if if there was an entire group of people there working together living together working in the mine some are working in the mine some are farmers some are you know you you could have just built it up so much and done a really good thing and this goes back to what I'm talking about is that you know, social media did do a good thing here because we are having a conversation about people who should have gotten roles being denied work. But on the other end of it, now this movie is just getting trashed before you can even see more of it. And and that's where I am. I agree with you about it not seeing the light of day, but I'm, I'm afraid of that because that does give the power to the influencers who are trashing this thing off of one frame. But but is but it goes back to Rachel Ziegler, does it not? Have you ever had an actress portraying a Disney princess who's been so polarizing? No. And doubles down on it. This look she at, doubles down on it. And again, I don't we have taken a stance of not promoting new films, but I'm not talking about a film here, I'm talking about the actress. Look at how Halle Bailey conducted herself on those red carpets she was nothing but excited to talk about how much she loved the little mermaid growing up and how honored she was to have this role she embraced it in the sense of every outfit every red carpet that she walked there was some sort of like under the sea vibe to it she knew she crushed that role and she wasn't touting herself no the way that rachel ziegler is so when you compare the two like that there are just ways of embracing the position that you put yourself in. So you're right, it does go back to her because she continues to, to shoot herself in the foot. Little Mermaid, best live-action remake of all time. Stop promoting it! It is, though. It's the best live-action remake of all time. All right, let's move on. I think on. we said that before the strike, so it's out we there. We did. Our all opinion right. is very much out there. Let's move on. Um, a lot has happened in the last couple of days following... A, uh, a shareholder's quarterly earnings call. Yes, the quarter three call. 
Um, so there were a couple of things that got announced. Um, we did, funny enough, get a release date for Snow White. So we were wrong. We're saying it's not going to see the light of day. Supposedly it will on March 22nd, 2024. It's not coming out. This movie's not coming out. We'll see. Um, we have a release date for Elio, uh, March 1st, 2024. So you got two coming out in one month. That's this movie. Something was, something was clearly pushed back because of the strike. And then uh, Inside Out 2, uh, June 14th, 2024. Which we knew that they were going to do a sequel. I'm surprised they have a release date on that uh, already. Which tells us that it's going to be rushed. Uh, and then we got some hard dates on some upcoming park experiences. Um, we've got San Francisco Square at Disney's California Adventure. That's August 31st, 2023. That's when everything will be open. I know they've been doing it sort of slowly but surely. Uh, but that has a hard date. Uh, Journey of Water inspired by Moana. That's fall 2023. Fall. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So a little bit... Uh, a little bit vague still. Um, the Villas at the Disneyland Hotel, that's going to be September 28th of 2023. Um, you've got World of Frozen, uh, November 2023. Uh, the, Z the Zootopia-themed land, that's coming late 2023. World Celebration at Epcot, late 2023. Okay, so still very vague here, but... We have confirmation on what will be finished in 2023. So that also includes the Adventureland uh, Treehouse and the Pixar Place Hotel. Um, and then they've announced a bunch of things for next year. Uh, spring 2024, the Fantasy Springs. June 2024, Lighthouse Point. Um, Tiana's Bayou Adventure. They've still not given us a hard date. Um, and then some... Disneyland Hotel and Vacation Club uh, transformations. So, it's something. I mean, I know it's still vague, but like, at least they've given us time frames instead of just throwing it all out there and, you know, this could be done in two or three years. At least at least we can see the end, the light at the end of the tunnel. Un until, until you give me a date and these things open, late this, late that, November this, September that. These, these are not dates. These are these are targets that you hope to hit. Well, I think that that sort of has to do with the next thing that we wanted to talk about and how certain things with streaming services are going to fizzle out. Yeah. Um, so, Penn Entertainment, previously owned Barstool Sports, Paid a half a billion dollars to Dave I Like Pizza Portnoy to buy Barstool. Sold it back to him for a dollar. I love it. Great for Portnoy, who I love, by the way. He eats pizza every day. God love him. To get into what is ultimately a $2 billion agreement with Disney and ESPN to open up an ESPN sports book. Um... You mean the thing that Disney swore they would never do. Like deleting titles off of Disney Plus? Yeah, just like that. Um, they took a quarter of a billion dollar loss on the Galactic Star Cruiser, a.k.a. the All-Star Spaceship Resort. Disney at this point is trying to just recoup money where they can. 
save a billion and a half in tax dollars by devaluing Disney Plus and write-downs. And running the risk of losing even more subscribers that you've now pissed off. Lose, they've lost a few million in India alone because they backed out of getting the Premier Cricket League agreement that they were supposed to have. So Disney was already gambling. So I don't think that Disney did this to make money on gambling. I think Disney did this to get $2 billion back in their pockets because it's a billion and a half plus, I believe, $35 million worth of stock options, um, which essentially is another half a billion. It's, it's $2 billion back in Disney's pocket over the course of 10 years, quote-unquote. I think Disney did this so that they could drive the value of ESPN because they're going to sell ESPN. They've been talking about selling it for years. Why are they putting Hulu on Disney Plus and merging those apps and not ESPN? Because ESPN is not a long-term thing for Disney. Disney will sell ESPN. They're using the sports book as their bullet in the chamber. Because ESPN's ratings suck. They just fired 20-something employees. Most of them people loved on-air talent. Right. Now that you have YouTube where you can get free sports analytics all of the time plus podcasts you know Kay Adams left NFL Network she left you know Good Morning Football to go to FanDuel TV it's a free app and you can go watch Kay Adams there do the same show that she did getting paid by ESP by uh, NFL Network why? because there's so much money in advertising on some of these free apps there's so much in streaming right now, which kind of makes certain things obsolete. A lot of, unfortunately, we got an antenna on the house. That's how I like to watch TV. A lot of network television is becoming obsolete. It's why I think Disney's also going to sell ABC. But the fact that ESPN is not included in the merger into Disney Plus, but Hulu is, because Hulu's got back catalogs. Right. Okay. Right. That's where Disney's Disney's going to make their money on Hulu. They have Hulu Plus Live TV, which is what we're using because the bundle was cheaper than paying a la carte for everything. So you get your cable networks, you get some of your network TV, but it's the back catalog downloads where they're going to make a pretty penny. Plus, they're making that off the backs of ESP, uh, uh, of, of uh, NBC and Fox and CBS. And the of- backs of the people whose residuals they're not paying. Correct. But they're making money off of other networks that already have their shows licensed to Hulu. Right. They're not going to get rid of Hulu. Hulu's worth too much money. Plus, they have films on there, etc. and so forth. ESPN is dead in the water. And I, I think if you don't look at this as, as, just, as just pumping the value into something so that they can sell it off, I, I think that you're missing the mark. I, I think a year from now, there is no such thing. Because you'll also notice, because we're going to talk about the price hike in a moment, have they said, oh, there's a price hike coming from the Disney bundle? No, because the Disney bundle was always Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu. Right. What are they saying the price hike's coming to? The bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Correct. They never mention ESPN Plus. They did this to sell ESPN because they couldn't get anybody to buy it before. I mean... Because ESPN's obsolete. If that's what it's all building towards, I mean, I do feel bad for ESPN and their staff that that's the way that this is going. But 
I will at least give Disney credit for sticking to their guns as far as not, you know, I mean, yes, they did do what they said they weren't going to do by, by opening the book, but if the intent is not to keep it, and this is not a permanent thing, I'm glad that they're still standing behind this is a family company and, and gambling has no place here. I'm not offended by it. I mean, how many times have we been to Atlantic City and Saratoga? People I'll bet on two cockroaches we're running across the floor yeah, right now. No, I don't care. But I'm an adult. I can do that, you know? That's fine. Yeah, to not introduce it to children at an early age, like, that's a whole other thing. Um, well. So if they're going to, you know, if they're going to stick to their values in that regard and they're only doing this to sell it off, like, I, I hope that's the bigger picture and that they're not talking out of both sides of their mouth, which we've seen far too much of lately. Now, the, the fact that they, they were, they're only talking about two entities when it comes to these price hikes... They're only mentioning ESPN, or sorry, uh, excuse me. They're only mentioning Hulu and Disney Plus. Right. Never do they mention ESPN. It's in the bundle. No, I think, but they never talk about it. I think you're right. I I do think you're right. I think that's where this is going. Price and, and that's where I'm saying it's like, all right, if that's why you're gonna, if if you had a grand design by letting the gambling in, all right. Are we surprised that the price is going up another five dollars a month? No. We're I not. think it's terrible timing. I, I think you're being really silly right now, but... I, I think that uh, we all knew this was going to happen. Um, the price just went up a few months ago. It's going up again. But why? You hit your five-year projections in your first year. This is so unnecessary. And that's where, like, e- even I'm getting close to being like, cut it. I don't, I don't... We have other ways of making monoreal radio. We can go to the library and get these movies for free. Well, I, I'm very close. If I'm being honest with you, if I didn't care about watching sports, plus being able to tune in and watch your programming, you know, we don't hide the fact that you work in television, but you don't work in network, you work in cable. We have to support your product. So if it wasn't for that, and if it wasn't for sports, we wouldn't have any of this crap. I, I'd, I'd, I'd have my antenna, I'd, I'd, and that would be the end of it for me. I'd maybe have the, like, the most basic, basic Disney Plus just so that we could do monorail because at eight bucks a month, I could stomach it. Yeah, it's, it's almost no better than having a cable package, but the cable packages are getting out of control, too. I mean, look, I'm not surprised the price is going up. You're not bankrupting me by raising it five bucks a month, but can I sit here confidently and say three years from now, am I going to be a subscriber of Disney Plus and Hulu Plus Live TV, I cannot. Uh, I, I think I'll hang on to Disney Plus for the sake of doing monorail radio until it gets to the point of being ridiculous, and then we'll figure out alternate ways to do monorail radio. There's ways to get these films without having to pay for them. Libraries are a great option for that. Um, I, I would hate for it to come to that, but you're raising the price while taking things off of your service that you said were never going to go away. We're beating a dead horse at this point, but but this is where the court of public opinion is starting to turn on the company. Right. Because to me, aside from the fact that this is entirely hypocritical because we're paying for things that we were supposed to have 
and you took away. We were supposed to have unlimited access and you're, you're pulling titles down. That's a reason to cancel a subscription in and of itself. But your timing is in such poor taste with this strike where people are fighting for their jobs and their lives and now you're going to raise the cost to your consumer even more. Like, how do you expect us to stand behind it? Not to mention, speaking of terrible timing, yep. uh, you know, Mr. Iger recently, notice how I said Mr. Iger, because right now he's not much better than Mr. Chapek in my, in my book. Uh, he said recently, in this, I believe it was on this quarter, quarter uh, third quarter call, that the focus is going to be shifting back to the creatives and letting them do their jobs. So, all right, the strike is on right now. You could argue that um, he means the Imagineers. No. There are, at the time of this recording, 11 job postings for AI developers, which includes not only television and film, the Imagineers as well. That was on Fox 35 in Orlando the other day, folks. It's funny nobody else has picked it up, because, of course, you know, Disney owns ABC, so they're not going to run that story. No. But the local news will, because the local news, Disney is a big deal to them. I was flabbergasted that Bob Iger, as he sits at his billionaire's retreat at Mark Zuckerberg's house, sits there and says, this man makes $75,000 a day, by the way. Looks at somebody who makes 34k a year before taxes, living in California where it's oppressively expensive, and says you're being unreasonable. Is then going to go and look for 11 AI developers for film and television and putting the focus back to the creators? Like, no, no, you're not. You are talking out of both sides of your mouth right now. And I mean, you know, if. This is just another sign that tells me Disney was so much worse off with JPEG than anybody ever really knew. Because if this is what he's doing to course correct, I mean, I I still do trust that he's got a grand design, but I don't like that it's it's two different stories every time he's in an interview. I want to know. I want to remember. Bob Chapek prior to 2020. That's the Bob Chapek I want in my mind. You could say the same thing about Mike, Michael Eisner. You Do want you to mean remember Bob Iger? What did I say, Chapek? You yeah. said Chapek. Well, you know, but but even Chapek, you know, even Chapek, he was viewed in a positive light when he was just running parks. Okay? Now a lot of that might have been Iger sort of protecting him. But I want to live in a world where we have a Chapek and an Iger from 2019 and back. I want to live in a world where we have a Michael Eisner from, say, the year 2000 and back. It's not exactly how it is. You know, sometimes people stay around longer than they should and they wear out their welcome. And I just fear that that's what's happening right now with Bob Iger. Um a man that I have a great affinity and respect for. But with each passing day, a little bit less, I'll be honest. A little bit less. Um, the fact that you are actually... This entire strike 
with the writers and the actors is based upon protecting their futures against AI. And you not only go on and do the CNN interview from the billionaire retreat, but you double down. It's like Rachel Zegler. You double down by trying to find 11 people to develop AI jobs, specifically in film and television. That's the entire root of this strike. Yeah, that's that was heartbreaking to me. And quite honestly, Disney should have been leaving, leading the charge as far as the studios go to go back to the uh, AMPTP and get the conversation going to fix this because they're supposed to be the family company with family values and they should have been the ones to start mending the fence. And instead, I feel like they're the ones who are fracturing it even farther because of some of the things that he said. Well, you'll notice that a lot of other CEOs and studio executives, Bob Iger has taken all of the blood for Hollywood. Nobody else is speaking right now. Because this, honestly, <laughs> this is going to sound wild. Well, I mean, anything that Seth Rogen has done for Disney, we have supported. I, I love any time, you know, he's casting something. Uh, I love the voice work that he does. For as much as we all know, you know, you make fun of the laugh. We know he's a stoner. He was on the picket lines the other day and he said something very intelligent. Is that at the end of the day... The writers and the actors are co-workers. They're all going to go back to work together when this is done. The studios are competitors. They're going to continue being enemies. They're not even talking to each other right now. And that's part of the delay is because they're not going to come to an agreement that is going to benefit all of them because they are each other's competition. And that's part of the big holdup here. And that's where I'm saying Disney should have been leading the charge to... Create something positive from this. And I feel that they're making it worse. Well, we're interested in knowing what you have to say about all of the Disney news that has been coming out uh, recently. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. We have a giveaway thanks to our dear friends at the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. I, I think it's time... Possibly for a Halloween straw charm. I think so. Disney's rolling out all the Halloween gear. Uh, not so scary has started already. I, I think it's time to give away a pumpkin straw charm so that someone can have it in time for September and October. Yes, so the first person to DM us or email us the word pumpkin will get a straw charm courtesy of the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monorail Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Be sure to follow us on that social media, Facebook, Threads, TikTok, Instagram, at Monorail Radio. And for links to everything related to the show, it is online at monorailradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. 